Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Hello, Gotham. Joker's back in town. I'm not wearing hockey pants. And now you're listening to the new and improved Outside the Comics Volume 2 podcast with your host, Alfred. No! What is going on, OTC listeners? Another episode of Outside the Comics Volume 2 podcasting live today. Yes, it's a Sunday. It was supposed to be a Friday, but instead it's a Sunday, you know, with Christmas preparations and so much other things that's going on. My birthday, not my birthday, well, what am I talking about? My girlfriend's birthday coming up, my lazy panda, and then Thanksgiving, and then I'm going away on vacation. But do you think that's going to stop me from recording what I want to do when I'm on vacation? What? Oh, my guy, no, you got to go with the grind, man. You got to do what you got to do to get by. I won't say get by, but in other words, you got to do whatever you got to do to make sure that your business stays afloat no matter what it takes. It's like the Avengers say, whatever it takes, you know, and what I'm trying to say is that no matter where I go, you know, aside if it's not the radio station at work, if I go on vacation to Puerto Rico, which I am. This upcoming weekend, I will, next weekend, I'll be gone for 10 days. But I'm still going to bring my voiceover recording system, because why not? You never know if someone needs a helping hand at the very last minute. You never know, especially with the holidays coming up. What? Come on, man. This is why, you know, it's the mentality not only of a voice actor, but it's the mentality of a superhero. You got to be there no matter what. No matter where you go, no matter what you're doing, you always got to be there. And I promised and I I swore an oath, no matter what, to always be there, that I'm lightning fast, 24 hours. I could even get everything done in just, give me one hour, give me two, two max at best. Way less than that, if anything. What I'm trying to say is, when you're a voice actor and you're in a bind, you, you got to... Not you are in a bind, but if someone you know is in a bind, any production company, any director, or anyone for that matter, and they need your help, gotta be a hero and do whatever you can to be there for them no matter what. Because, let's face it, it's all about relationships, it's all about trust, and it's all about doing what you can to save the day. And it's as simple as that, really. But I'm excited, though. I can't wait. I'm excited to do things that has to do with water. I don't know why. It's one of those moments where it's like, you know what? It's probably going to be 70 or 80 degrees down there in Puerto Rico. And we're going to be near a beach. So why not? Why not go and enjoy myself? Why not go and do whatever it is that I want to? So scuba diving or water skiing or the water parks or dive all the way to a, to a, a waterfall or whatever the case may be. Although I've never had this much fascination with water before, because let's face it, water kind of scares me. You don't know what's lurking in the deep. I've seen those shows. I've seen those those videos, those explainer videos. You know, you go all the way down to like, God knows, the, 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 the sea is such an underwater world. <laughs> it's frightening to say the least. Yeah, who am I kidding? But anyway, let's get into the heart of the episode. I re-watched Spider-Man 3. The countdown for Spider-Man No Way Home continues. And I re-watched Spider-Man 3. And oh boy. 
I want to try a Mickey Mouse. Oh, boy. No, that's not Mickey Mouse. Who is that? Who who does the old boy? Oh, boy. It's just... <laughs> there were so many freaking problems with the movie. <laughs> but it's enjoyable, though. It's it's not to the point where I absolutely hated it. You know, re-watching it now, re-watching all those years later. And I studied it to a T. But I'm going to dive more into that later on for the episode. For right now, we're just going to get a few things out of the way. Hawkeye is coming up November 24th, the day before Thanksgiving. So, what's today, the 21st? Is today the 20th or 21st? Today is the 21st. Okay. So, three more days away until Hawkeye. I'm going to do a little bit of a preview what I think is going to happen. What I, you know, well, we, we pretty much saw the trailer. But what, what happens after? What happens more? You know, who's going to be introduced and, and what do I think or what am I truly excited for? So we're going to talk about that. And of course, a quick thing on Scarlett Joe and the fact that she's going to be either producing a movie. I told you that 40 or 50 million dollars that she got from the settlement was not enough. I told you. I told you. I told you. All that plus our super villain quote of the day because it is episode 150. Yay, yay. I am such a loser, I swear. But first, like we always do about this time, let's get the shout-outs out of the way, shall we? And I want to give a major shout-out to my brothers that I've grew up with. And they've always been there for me no matter what. And we were supposed to hang out, but, you know, work and everything else got in the way. And I want to make it up to them as best I can. It's it's one of those moments where now that the holidays are coming around and it's all about family. It's all about getting back together. And it's all about reflecting on everything and giving thanks to what you have and giving to those that are unfortunate and, and you know, and in need and things like that. It's one of those moments where it's like it's always best to, like, keep your friends close and ensure that you're always there for them no matter what. And I want to prove that as much as I can and not let work get in the way of what I can do for them. You know what I mean? It's like it's like one of those moments where it's like they've been through a lot and I want to do right by them because of what they've done for me in my past. So, dudes, if you're listening to this, huge shout out to you guys. You know who I'm talking about. And I hope to see you guys again real soon. And... We're going to laugh it up like there's no tomorrow. That's all I got to say about that. That's all we have for the shoutouts. Let's dive into our meat of the episode. Let's go with Scarlet Joe first. And that comes right in a bit. So the settlement has been cleared and all of the drama is now way past behind us where Scarlett Johansson just came out of the woodwork, just came out of nowhere and the news sets in where she, yes, our famous Black Widow herself will be working on a top secret, top secret Marvel project. Now, I have to say, this was no surprise to me. 
It really isn't. Because there was no way that we can fathom in terms of where her character that had already died in Avengers Endgame to see where she was going to go through next. We've already been speculating in terms of what was going to happen after. And after the lawsuit where all of a sudden, and a lot of people were baffled. Oh, I saw the Twitter comments. I saw the messages. I saw everything. A lot of people were baffled on the idea that Scarlett Johansson that was asking for $100 million, probably even around that number, the first time when her movie Black Widow was not even streamed on in theaters and it was only on, on Disney+. Plus. We pretty much know the whole story about that. I don't need to repeat that. And then all of a sudden, there's some kind of settlement deal where it's like, oh, she only gets 40 or $50 million. And you're like, what? What? What kind of a pay cut is that? Was well, not really much of a pay cut. But I said it, and many people said it too. I said that there's something more. There, there, there has to be something more that was offered on the table so that way she can get a back end and get more money. It's like Kevin O'Leary from Shark Tank says, it's all about the money. That's all what it's about. And now she's working on a top secret, top secret Marvel project. Who, what could it be? <laughs> I don't freaking know. <laughs> it's like, it, it's no surprising to me. And I don't mean to laugh like I feel sorry or sarcastically or whichever the case. It's like, it's one of those moments where you can, you can kind of guess where Hollywood in a way goes, especially when it comes to certain actors that have put the stamp on their legacy for quite a long time. Because let's face it, she's been part of the Marvel Universe for over 10 years. And there was no way that her story would end on just her receiving a big fat check after the whole thing with Black Widow somewhat failed. And then she goes about her merry way. No. But then you also have to think about it. It's like, what exactly can she do? Is she working on a miniseries? Is she working on a trilogy? Is she working on... Maybe directing an all-females Avengers movie. Like, there was some speculation with the A-Squad, which was teased to us by Avengers Endgame with that scene where all the females come together. Is there a prequel type of a story? Another prequel type of a story that was before Black Widow, which I hopefully, to dear God, we don't get. Because they had a chance with that. They shot their shot and fucking missed. So what could it be? And... Maybe I do have a speculation, even though I've kind of already said it. Maybe it has something to do with the fact that with the whole multiverse thing that's going on, because let's face it, we are living in that era. Maybe there's a fact that she could come back in a different character or do certain cameos, which I understand is not going to be a lot. But if she is receiving a shitload of money in terms of whatever project that she's doing, there has to be something else involved. Maybe it's more of a... Maybe, and I'm just guessing here, I have no insight knowledge in terms of what she's going to do. Maybe she's going to do a reboot. Now hear me out, hear me out, hear me out. Maybe she's going to do a reboot that focuses on specific female characters. Because she received a lot of support from Elizabeth Olsen to Jamie Lee Curtis and anybody else that has not been reported, but I'm sure she's got tons of support from her fans and her family and other co-workers and whatever. Maybe there has something to do with 
another story that focuses primarily on female characters. Now, I'm not saying she's going to be representing a strong essence of, you know, all female representation that goes into Hollywood, especially when it comes to the MCU. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is, if there is a person that has lived through being a character, lived through the essence of storytelling, the essence of climaxing a particular point in terms of beginning, middle, and end, what's the climax, what's the turning point, things like that, who better to do it than her? Now, if she is directing, that could be a little bit of a stretch because from my understanding, I don't remember if she actually directed anything. And a lot of people, not a lot of people, a lot of actors in general, in a way has a hard time transitioning from starring in a film or being part of a film, especially when it comes to a franchise, to then instantly direct and produce a movie in general. Some people have done it. Some people have succeeded. Others, not so much. So this is just my guess. I think that she is going to be producing an all-female franchise of movies going forward when it comes to Marvel. And there's nothing wrong with that. There really isn't. Because we kind of expected for this to happen before. And who better way to do it than from a female's perspective? As long as the storytelling makes sense. Now, I can go and sit here and give tons of examples in terms of why that wouldn't work. But I'm not going to do that. Because different person, different mindset, different you know circumstances. You know, it's like, what's that woman's name uh, that redirected the rebooted Charlie's Angels? And then she instantly blamed on males that were not fans of this. That were not fans of the Charlie's Angels. Like, she she just instantly blamed men. I can't remember. I, was it Kate something? Oh, my goodness. It's, it's, it's things like this that really, really hits me. And it's like, oh, my God. What the hell is the name? Hold on. Let me review it right now real quick. Let's see. Director for Reboot Charlie's Angels. It was a movie that we really didn't need. And it was a movie. Elizabeth Banks. There we go. Wow, I can't believe I, I forgot that name. I should know this by now. <laughs> Elizabeth Banks. I'm not saying Scarlett Johansson is going to be like a, an Elizabeth Banks here. But it could be something that I'm looking forward to. And it could be something that can work if the execution makes sense. Now, like I said, I could be completely going out on a whim here. Because there's no telling if she is directing or producing it just says she's working on a top secret Marvel project. I'm pretty sure it has a lot to do with an all, all Avengers female cast. And Kevin Feige most likely is going to push for that. But that's just my guess. I, what do you think? What do you think the top secret Marvel project is? You know? Ah, oh, goddammit, I hate those planes. Anyway, you can let me know at the comments below. If we, have, if we have any comments. Or Twitter. There we go. You can tweet me. You can tweet me! You know where to tweet me. It's as simple as that. Moving on, her partner in crime in the Marvel series Hawkeye. His show will be debuting on Disney Plus on November 24th, the day before Thanksgiving. And it will finally include the introduction of Kate Bishop. And I have to say, 
I've never been a huge fan of Kate Bishop only because I I have not really been exposed to her that much. But she is very badass in terms of from what I've seen in terms of snippets from comic pages or you know, I haven't played the game yet for Marvel's Avengers and I don't even want to get I, Marvel's Avengers to me the game it's it's in my past. Like I'm so done with that game. I excuse me. I didn't talk about this before last week, but I did see the trailer for the inclusion of Spider-Man and oh my god, it's just not the same. I I just kept comparing it to Marvel Spider-Man for the PS4 and and now PS5 coming up. It well, not coming up, but it's already done. It's just not the same. It really isn't. He's slow, he's rigid. His voice is too I understand they're trying to make it closely resemble to Tom Holland and it just didn't work. You know, oh my god, it just doesn't work for me. And not even putting in my favorite character in all of Marvel is going to get me to play that game again. I'm so done with Marvel's Avengers. I'm done. I, 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 moving on. Moving on. Let's, let's get past the bullshit. Moving on. Kate Bishop. You know, as we know in the trailers, Hawkeye's on the run from his time with Ronan. And they stumble across each other with Kate Bishop. It's probably going to be his successor moving forward. And I'm kind of seeing it like a buddy cop of a scenario where you always have two two cops that are going, not at each other's throats, but in a way bounce off of each other very, very well. Because aside from Hawkeye and Black Widow, we've never really seen him interact with anybody else that actually have... Uh, good chemistry with each other. It's always Hawkeye with the group. Or Hawkeye and Black Widow. But if he actually has someone. Like. Where he takes under his wing. And they go forward. And they try to do what they can. To ensure that they go by. Beating down bad guys. And ensuring that his family is safe. And yada yada. It could be very entertaining. And I can't wait to see. What they're going to bring to the show. I know Echo is going to be in it. I'm hoping to God we get Daredevil in it, even though chances are highly unlikely. But I hope to God we get Daredevil in it. I hope we get the Kingpin in it by Vincent D'Onofrio. Oh, that would be such freaking epic. Come on. Oh, my goodness. It would be so epic. It really would. Just put in Vincent D'Onofrio, have him being the Kingpin like he's supposed to. Let him, you know, have a scenario where... Ronin, Hawkeye as Ronin were taking down a lot of these mobsters and they belong to a lot of Kingpin's, Kingpin's guys. And Kingpin is like, yo, I want this guy dead. If he is the main villain for Hawkeye, it kind of would make sense and it kind of wouldn't. But even though I'm pretty sure Disney and Marvel would be accustomed to fan service, I think that it would be an awesome, awesome thing to introduce hopefully the execution actually goes well two episodes will be appearing this Wednesday coming up and I can't wait to see it I can't wait to see what they have in store for one of my favorite Marvel Avengers ever Hawkeye himself and I can't wait to see what Kate Bishop is going to bring forth to the table it's as simple as that now that we got those two out of the way, we are now going to dive into Spider-Man 3. Oh my goodness. What can I say about this? Jesus Christ. From the very get-go. God damn those planes. 
from the very get-go. No, when I saw the movie in 2007, I was such a huge, I still am, but back then I was such a huge Spider-Man fanboy. I really was. You know, I was at that young mindset because I was in high school during that time. And I put all the red flags away. I put all of the problems. I put all. I, I thought that everything that Tobey Maguire was doing was funny as shit. I thought it, you know, it, it sparked a flare. It sparked something new. It, it sparked light. It, it sparked fun, you know. You know, and you know what I'm talking about, the 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 whole scenario with the and he's fucking, you know, he's shooting his shot, so to speak, uh, uh, with with women walking right past them, which I have to I have to say now. <laughs> it was such a dumb scene because all these women are like you know they're they're attracted to him or or they want to get with him or they're they're giving they're giving him their eyes you know like they're like they're being seduction and sexy and then it just doesn't go anywhere and you know he does he does this thing where he does this <laughs> it's so fucking dumb <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm trying to get myself together. It's oh my god, I'm crying. Excuse me. Oh my goodness. That's the that's the hardest that I've laughed in a while. Oh, it's so dumb. Like Spider-Man 3, that is a huge example that Spider-Man 3 was really, really overtaken by studio interference. Cause I know Sam that was not Sam Raimi's idea. The director for the Spider-Man trilogy. That was not his idea. Like, I don't know what Sony was thinking. <laughs> what the hell were they thinking? Oh my goodness, but... I'm jumping ahead of myself. Let me go back to my train of thought here. Spider-Man 3 has proven itself. Where whenever you have a trilogy... Sometimes, when it comes to franchises... There could be moments where we would go over, we meaning, you know, not we, but Hollywood in general. They can go overboard, especially when it comes to storytelling or even writing for that matter. Because let's face it, it's all about the writing. When it comes to successful films in general, art styles, you know, movies that have transcended beyond time and space, cinematic basically, right? If it does well enough... And it, and it pulls in huge numbers at the global box office. They're going to warrant a sequel. It's automatically taken care of. Sometimes sequels work. Other times they don't. You know? Sometimes there could be a moment where a second movie can be so much better than the first. And then other times it's one of those moments where if a first movie does very, very well, the second movie is like a shell of itself because they have to make another one. Oh my god, they they just have to do it. We call that sequelitis. This is something everybody knows. And then a trilogy movie happens, a third movie, where they have to have... Three has always been a magic number. I don't know why. I don't know why that is. There's a history to be... There's history that's said. Maybe the next time when I come back, I'll probably talk about it. Probably not. But... 
when it comes to three films, three has always been a magic number. Like there has to be three, three of everything. And I till till this day I do not know why. But Spider-Man 3 had to happen apparently. And through the constant constant studio interference that was made, first and foremost, if you don't know this, Sam Raimi did not even want to include Venom. He, he wanted nothing to do with Venom. He did not want to include Venom. And yet, for some odd reason, Sony was pushing and pushing for Venom to be in this movie. And they thought, around that time, that because Spider-Man was getting so popular that they needed to include more heroes and more villains. Not more heroes, but more villains in general. They had to include Venom. And it just did not work. Even Todd McFarlane, the creator of Venom himself, alongside with Stan Lee, when he looked at the movie, and you can even watch his reviews at the Collider podcast, Todd McFarlane session. Shout out to them, by the way. They're very brilliant at what they do. He even talked about it where when he saw Venom in that movie, and he was so excited, and then he was disappointed because Venom looks so small. He looks so dull. He looks so normal. He looks so plain. And he's like, oh my god, it, it just did not work. But but getting back to my point, Sam Raimi did not want to include Venom in it because he didn't understand the character Venom at that time. You know, hindsight 2020, we now look at Venom by Tom Hardy and, you know, he's a fantastic character. Goofy, sort of a dumbass, but Sam Raimi didn't understand that. He didn't understand the true essence of what made Venom Venom. So it made no sense for him to try to include a character that was just going to be there and... What were they going to do with him? You know? But for some odd reason, Sony was pushing for this. And not only were they pushing for that, but they were pushing for all this other stuff that was going on in the storyline that really was just a clusterfuck of a mess. If you don't believe me, and this is, I don't have any notes in front of me, but this is just basically from my memory, especially with me rewatching the movie. You have the retconning of Uncle Ben's death. When you, when you introduce Sandman, you have the retconning of Uncle Ben's death. Why did they do that retcon? I have no idea. Okay? You have a love triangle between Peter, Mary Jane, and Harry Osborn. So that's that love triangle. You have a second love triangle between Peter, Gwen Stacy, and Mary Jane. Why is Gwen Stacy in this movie? Who the hell knows? I have no idea. Okay, then you have the subplot with Sandman and his daughter where his daughter is sick and she I think she's dying and he needs the money for didn't really specify for what exactly maybe to buy medicine that's foreign or maybe to do an operation on her I, that that was never really specified. So there's that aspect. Then you have the aspect where Peter and the black suit. Which is in a mess clearly of itself. Because let's face it. When I first saw the movie the first time. He wore the he wore the black suit. Yeah. But there was only one action scene. And ever since then. He kept on touching his chest. And it would always be right under him. And there was only one action scene. With him in the black suit. Only one. Sony if you're going to introduce Black Spider-Man. You gotta do something more with that. So there was that. Then, of course, you introduce Eddie Brock Jr. Why is it Jr.? Who the hell knows? So, you introduce Eddie Brock Jr. And then Venom comes into the mix. Then you have the problems with 
Peter and Harry, where they have to settle their beef because of what's been going on with the first two films. And then there was all that. Then you have a... It's... Do you understand what I'm trying to say? It's such a cluster fuck of a mess where the term too many cooks in the kitchen clearly, clearly, like... It's an understatement. It's a freaking understatement to say the least. So when you have all these things just congested together and there was just so much and and, and let me tell and let me just I know I'm bouncing around here like I always do, but I did not believe the relationship between Peter Parker and Mary Jane in that movie was even believable. And if it was believable, it was what's the word? Petty? It was probably petty to say the least. You know, for them knowing each other since childhood, living next to each other because they were neighbors, going to school together, even though they rarely had any interaction, to now being in a relationship for about, through the timeline, let's say a year, maybe a year and a half at best. You would think that they would have better communication with each other. You would think that Mary Jane, with whatever is going on with her because she got fired from Broadway, that you would think that she would actually come to Peter and actually poured her heart out for him to listen instead she just shouts at him where she was like well this isn't about you this is about me this is about my career and this and that and blah 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 you would think that she would go a little bit more of an effort for her to you know talk to him at the same time you would think that Peter Parker would have a little bit more of an understanding and not be so oblivious to whatever it is that's going on with her I understand that he's Spider-Man, he has responsibilities, I get that, but you would think that at that time, Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man would actually be more receptive and more understanding and actually can sit down and listen to whatever it is that she was saying. Put it this way, their chemistry was so good and so great in the first Spider-Man after what happened to Aunt May before, you know what I'm talking about, it's the scene where Mary Jane doesn't know who Peter Parker is yet. But they're just talking and they're listening to each other. And Aunt May is like, you know, she's playfully sleeping and she's smiling. And and it was just a heartfelt moment before Harry Osborne came in and fucked that all up. You didn't have anything like that in this third one. Like their relationship was so chaotic, it almost felt not unbelievable. But it kind of made you root against these characters. Where at the point, you just really didn't give a shit what happened to them. Then Gwen Stacy comes into the mix and, you know, that's, uh, again, that's a second love triangle. And then that whole thing with the dance and the jazz club and then she goes away and then that's it. That's enough with Gwen Stacy. Like, what's her character? She's just there. She's just the plot device to make, you know, for for Peter to latch onto. And, oh my goodness. You know, with all the bitching that I've been doing about this movie... And all the comp- and the complaints and the problems where, as I said, there were just too many cooks in the kitchen. There was some enjoyment to be made here. There really was. There, there was just there was some enjoyment, which is why I can't say this is the worst Spider-Man movie that I've seen. This is not the worst. But it's like I said with the roller coaster. You're going up. You're going up this roller coaster, and as you're ascending, that's Spider-Man. Then you're at the tipping point. You're literally at the tipping point right before it goes down. That's Spider-Man 2. But as soon as it goes down, that's Spider-Man 3. 
I really wish I had a diagram for you guys to see. That that's Spider-Man in my personal opinion. Okay? It's a gigantic roller coaster. And there are some enjoyments to be made here. You know, the fight scene, even though it was only one between Black Spider-Man and Sandman, I like that scene. You know, I, I really did. I like that Peter was a little bit more of an asshole because of what the black suit is doing to him. I did like the fight scene between him and Harry. I enjoyed that a lot. I even enjoyed the the third act where Peter and Harry actually teamed up against Spider-Man, I'm sorry, against Sandman and Venom. I actually enjoyed that because it insinuated that there's redemption now with Harry. Even though his butler took all of this time to tell him the truth, why did it take him all this time? Who the hell knows? You know? So, again, there are enjoyments to be made with this movie. And the Spider-Man trilogy as a whole, it has its ups, it has its downs. But it's probably the best Spider-Man trilogy as a whole by far. Even though it ended on a sour note, and it's one of the main reasons why we never got a Spider-Man 4 from back then. Which I'm going to talk about eventually. If there was anything that I would change differently in terms of what would make this movie better, this is what I would do. Get rid of the black suit Spider-Man, get rid of the symbiote, get rid of Venom. Get rid of Gwen Stacy, get rid of Edward Brock. If you're going to introduce Edward Brock, introduce him at the very, very end as a teaser. Okay, get rid of Sandman with all the subplot with him and his daughter. There's no need for that. Okay, make the main focus Peter and Harry. Let Harry be the main villain. The first two films was alluding to that from the very beginning. Let Harry Osborn be the main villain. It was teased for many, many times. And it's something that we were hoping for for a long time and get oh that's another supply get rid of this whole amnesia shit with harry osborne that that was stupid that 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 was just stupid and also if you truly think about it when you rewatch the movie he kind of hit his head a lot a lot in this movie it was almost like he was a gag it's almost like it it was almost comedic in terms of how he was bouncing his head off of a lot of other stuff it was nearly comedic, and it was something that I didn't really take seriously. So get rid of that aspect. Make the main focus Harry and Peter, okay? If you're going to introduce a love triangle, and this is just me being options, if you're going to introduce a love triangle and the possibility of a black suit Spider-Man, I know I just said scrap it, but let's bring that back just a little bit. Not Venom yet, but let's introduce black Spider-Man just a little bit, okay? Make a love triangle between MJ, Peter, and Felicia Hardy Black Cat. Felicia Hardy Black Cat has always been has always been in love with Spider-Man, but to the point where she enjoyed the darkness of Spider-Man for him to embrace his inner, not his inner demons, but embrace his his dark side, embrace his bad side, you know? And have a love story with that. And then, at the very end, no matter what you do, no matter what happens, he then takes off the Black Spider-Man suit, and then you introduce Eddie, Eddie Brock, not Brock Jr., Eddie Brock, which would, allude, which would allude to Venom in the next movie. That's what I would do. 
I don't know how I would structure that. Maybe one day I'll even write a script, a, a, a screenplay over Spider-Man, MJ, and Black Cat. And again, the main focus in its entirety is and always will be Peter versus Harry. So whatever happens with that is whatever happens with that. And maybe the next time when I come back, I'll probably talk about Spider-Man 4 and what they were into what they were going to include, especially when it came or when it comes to the Sinister Six. That's all I gotta say about that. That's all we have for today on this episode of the podcast of Outside the Comics Volume 2 Podcast. Once again, guys, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for tuning in. Don't forget to Hulk smash that like button, that follow button. Continue to share the podcast to everybody that you know, your friends, your buddies, your battle buddies, your friends, your families, whatever the case may be. As like anything else, please, please, please give tons of support and support each other, love each other, do whatever you got to do to make sure that you remain Gucci. It's as simple as that. Now, with that being said, with that being said, let's dive into our supervillain quote of the day because this is episode 150, the episode 150. And this comes to, well, not to, but from Green Goblin himself. And he says, we are who we choose to be. Simple, etiquette, poetic, evil, heroic, and everything else in between. That's my reaction. Guys, have a great rest of the day. I will be back Tuesday where we will talk The Amazing Spider-Man 1 with Andrew Garfield and... Got a few things to say about that one too. Again, it's just a downward spiral with the roller coaster thing. It really is. Huh. It really is. Anyway, take care of yourselves. I'll see you next time. And remember, when it comes to movies, news, games, or anything else, if you hear about it and you read about it, I talk about it, controversial or otherwise. Stay safe. Till next time, I'm done. I'm through. Peace out.